previously on the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. So I took her up on this roof deck and we looked out over a portion of Atlanta. I had to do things in a big way back then because I hadn't reached the level of maturity and wholeness where I could just tell someone the truth and have it be the truth. Whether I was in a car, in an alley, in the cereal aisle of a grocery store. I'm a king, or at least I'm trying to be. And if I'm a king, then I need to start acting like one. And I've kind of like fallen back on my ways. And I didn't say this easily. I was stuttering and stammering and talking in between stuff. And she said, so what are we doing? What do you want to do? Do you want to just stop? What are you trying to, what are you saying? Yeah, I think we need to stop because I'm a king. And I actually said that she was a queen as well. And we were both above it. There was no place where I could occupy space. And snatching moments of her day snatching evenings snatching afternoons scheduling time with her was not what i considered to be something that allowed me to occupy space in her life and vice versa and after being in a marriage where i had kids first then i got married then my ex-wife who was exceptionally exceptional in the workplace was very busy there rarely was time for me, at least not in the way that I would have liked. And then when there was time for me, I was resentful. And then I didn't do what I needed to do. I didn't get over myself so that I so that we could spend quality time. So there was always this constant friction conflict of me feeling like I never had enough and never was enough in the life of my ex-wife. I for damn sure wasn't going to repeat that willingly and walk into a space that didn't have my name on it. So I stuttered, I stammered, and with great theatrics, I ended things on a rooftop, or so I intended. Man, I look like a hobo in these clothes. Nothing fits me, nothing works. Almost makes me wish I was fat and busting out of my clothes again. Nah, I don't want that. Happy to be healthy, but I ain't got no clothes. And I ain't got no money to buy no new clothes. And I promised myself I was going to be on time for this party. <sighs> Whatever. Oh, well, there's this shirt right here. I mean, I haven't worn this joint since, like, 2000, maybe even before. Wait, when was my daughter born? Yeah, I think I got this, like, around the time that she was born. This shirt, like, 15 years old. 16? 17? Let me see what it looks like. Okay, all right, let me hang this up real quick. Okay, I mean, this isn't half bad. It'll do for tonight. I'm struggling though. I'm seriously on the struggle bus. <sighs> seriously. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree and getting cursed out, his second master's and getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate and getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. 
Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTac beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. And so goes the journey of a person transitioning out of a past life into a new reality. I had lost weight, a considerable amount of weight. I was starting to cut up a little bit. I had gone down from, I had lost, I don't know, at this point I had lost possibly 30 pounds through spin and working out and jumping rope. And the clothes that I wore before that I had tailored to me that, you know, were fitted or whatever, um, back when I was a heftier size, everything was saggy, bunchy in the butt, <laughs> you know, loose around the waist. You could see that I, I had hiked, I had tightened my belt so tight that like stuff, you know, my pockets and all the rest of that stuff were crimping around the, around the belt. I didn't want to look like that. And I was on my way to a birthday party. One of my good friends, one of my former coworkers at the, uh, school where I worked was having a 50th birthday celebration I knew what time it was and that whole thing about me mastering being on time started to shift in reverse in my unemployment and in my transitioning into the new version that new version of Eric Payne I think that was 5.0 at the time because nothing fit and although I was looking great in athletic gear I was not looking good in regular clothes and one of the worst things when you are still teetering on who you are and how you are is to not like your reflection in the mirror. Back in 2015, I got dressed in the dark. I brushed my teeth in the dark. I showered in the dark because I had initially been divorced, left, hung out to dry. My ex had a boyfriend and was traveling all over the place. I felt unloved, I felt unwanted, and I felt ugly. So I couldn't dare look at myself. Looking at myself in the mirror this time around was a little bit different because now I'm like, well, why I look like that? And I was being more of a, I don't know, a trainer. You know, when my trainer wasn't around, I was being more of a trainer of myself. Well, we got to get rid of that little piece of fat there. Oh, we got to cut this up right there. Oh, that's got to go. I wonder what I could do to do this. And that happened even when I was getting ready to go places. Now, yeah, it's self-esteem. Yeah, it's this, that, and the third. But if you believe what you're looking at, meaning if you don't look good and you believe that you don't look good because your reflection is saying that you don't look good, well, you reflect that energy all around you. You go into spaces with that energy and you disappear because no one wants to be around someone that doesn't feel good about themselves especially going to a party where you're going to celebrate somebody turning 50, someone who's beat breast cancer twice, someone who's fit as a fiddle, and someone who loves to dance and loves to have a good time.
It had been a year since I had been laid off, a year and a month, and I was freelancing, making money here and there, and tapping into cash reserves, but, you know, when you go away, no different than divorce, when you go away, you're supposed to come back better than you were, or you're supposed to be like, ha, hey, how you like me now? Look at me now. Don't you wish you could? Da-da-da. All of that stupid stuff. And, you know, I hadn't improved, in my opinion, any better other than maybe physicality, looks, appearance. I didn't I didn't seem to be any better off than I was than when I had been laid off. And I was getting ready to see a good amount of the people that I was working with the day I got laid off. The people that I saw every day, the people that I laughed with, the people that I joked with. And I had seen a couple of them around town individually, but I had never seen anyone, you know, in a big group collective setting. And I dreaded the, so what are you doing with yourself now question. I, I was dreading it. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to deal with it. I mean, I guess ultimately the way I, you deal with that is to just not deal, to sidestep the question or whatever. But for those of us who, and I include myself in this, for those of us who allowed themselves, allowed their value to be determined by what they did rather than who they were or who they are. You know, showing up somewhere and not being able to discuss what you do or what you're about is a big deal. It's a, it's a, it's a point of terror. And it's usually why people lie. So I stood up in this event late, you know, hiked my pants up with safety pins. And that was all due to the, to the weight loss that I was experiencing. But I pulled off the look. I managed to pull it off, and I was satisfied. But by the time I was satisfied with the way I looked, I was significantly late for the event. And then I slid up at the table where my big sis, my big sis who's been throughout this story, the one who I first introduced in the For Love of Chocolate episode, and then she is the one that called me a hoe along the way. She had a table towards the back of the event space. I came in late made myself small because I was late and then I sat at her table um, which was in a corner of the room right by the door but I got there just in time for what mattered most which was the toasting food was still there they had brought cake out and my friend's husband was basically celebrating his love for his wife and his wife and all that she had overcome and so on and so forth it was in a little event space catering event space across town in one of the blacker sections of town. I mean, I'm in Atlanta, so I don't even know what that means. But, I mean, it's not downtown. It wasn't Midtown. And it wasn't Buckhead. Fun was being had by all. I was able to catch up with old friends from work. I was able to bump into mutual friends that me and my friend whose birthday it was shared outside of work. There were quite a few attractive women. Tried to size up who had a man and who didn't or who was there with a date and who wasn't. And then I saw my friend, my friend that I had dated when I was, well, I don't, I wouldn't call it dating. Well, attempted to date when I was initially on the rebound for my divorce. Because she too is a mutual friend. She actually was the person that introduced me to my friend whose birthday it was. So I see my friend from across the room. And as I shared, I had noticed all these things. There was the celebration, there was the toasting, there was the cake, there was the music, there was a DJ, there was house music, there was hip-hop, there was shaking, there was surf swagging, there was all of that stuff, right? So I see my friend, and she's wearing a periwinkle dress of sorts. It was summertime. It was July. And I was actually out there after having rejected the woman who 
was married who wanted me to be her boyfriend. I mean, we kept in touch and we remained friends and I saw her every week in spin class, but I did my best to keep the physicality out of our experience. But we were kind of hanging out a lot. We were talking a lot. We were going out to eat a lot. We were essentially dating. So any and every opportunity that I had to get away from that, I did. And this party was one of those opportunities. And this party was an opportunity for me to try to meet someone new, do something new, find something new. And here I am looking across the room at a woman who is slowly but surely becoming on again, off again. Because, yeah, we had our bad experience initially, but then we had a repeat experience, which was a a year later, which was considerably different, better, whatever you want to call it. And then she disappeared on me again. And now I see her, and she's considerably larger than she had ever been in any previous time that I had ever seen her. Now, I'm not saying this from the perspective of, oh my God, oh my gosh, she's so big. No, I was more saying it from the perspective of knowing that she values health. This look did not look right, meaning from a health perspective. It caused me to grow immediately concerned for her well-being, even though me being concerned for her well-being was none of my business based on the fact that I hadn't heard from her. So clearly she wasn't checking for me. And while I was sitting there, I saw another person standing across the room. And this person was tall, or at least from where I was sitting, she appeared to be tall. She was brown, and she was attractive, and she looked like she was alone. to get up. I needed to move around. I needed to get the blood flowing. I couldn't just move from a sitting position. I didn't want to be too, I don't know. Whatever I didn't want to do, it was all nonsense that I was telling myself because the bottom line was I was afraid to approach her. I didn't know how to approach her. I didn't know what to say or how to begin the conversation. I'm not a runner like my friend and her runner friends. And although I do run, I'm not a runner. I don't talk about this race or that race. And I don't know my, I know what pace I run at, but I don't know my PR, my personal record. I don't know what I did in the peach tree because I've never run a peach tree. I don't know any of that stuff. And I, and I'm kind of like private with my workout stuff. Not that I have anything to hide. I've just, it's just something that I do. I don't do it to talk about it. Even in the midst of doing the most in spin class, I didn't sit around afterwards and talk about spin classes, spin class, spin shoes, what it might be like to spin to a song or something like that. I just, I just didn't. It just wasn't my thing. No judgments. It is what it is. So I started moving around this event space to give myself space, to get myself warmed up. I guess no different than you would a workout because, you know, sometimes it's easy to have a conversation with someone when there's a group around. Sometimes it's easy when you have something in common which I was pretty certain I didn't. And then the easiest of all scenarios is when the person kind of just approaches you because they've taken the ball and they're throwing it in your court. And I was very good for taking the ball when it was thrown to me. I wasn't so good, or at least at the time, I didn't believe I was that great at taking my ball and tossing it to some random person that I saw from across the room that looked hella good, dressed in all black and heels. And 
had her fro pulled up into a pineapple over her head. By pineapple, I mean had her hair pulled up into, I mean, I don't even know how to say it. You basically pull your hair up. You don't pull it back. You pull it up, and then you let the top sprout out so it looks like a pineapple. So that's not me being funny. That's what it's actually called for the uninitiated. So I go to the bar, and I get my, I get my drink. And then I tell myself that I can do this. And then I take a deep breath and I have one hand in my pocket and I have my other hand holding my drink. And while I was trying to be Mr. Ebony Man walking around with a glass of brown liquor with ice cubes clinking around in it, well, that didn't happen at all. I was carrying a red Solo cup with some red juice in it and the ice cubes weren't making that nice sexy clinking sound that they do in commercials, movies, and probably around your house. So while I was trying to be Mr. Ebony Man, the woman in black, and not to be cliche, but she literally was the woman in black, was gone. Damn it, Eric. Why you gotta be so extra? Why didn't you just walk up to her? Why'd you have to be such a punk and not show up? Why? You're so stupid. Gosh. I mean, dag. You could have just walked up and stood there. I mean, you know half the people in the room. You could have had somebody like just, you could have dragged somebody over there and played shy boy since you didn't know what to say. You're so, so ridiculous. Why did you take so long? Why did you take so long? You should have said something. Ah! And instead, I bump into my old friend. Ah! Hey, Eric, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You want to dance? May as well. I mean, I blew it with the other one. Sure, I'd love to. So we're dancing, and we're moving, and we're swaying. And she's doing a thing, because she was a dancer. Always had been able to dance. Well, I'm not so shabby. And one thing about me and dancing is that I get hot very fast. I start sweating out my clothes, sweat out my perm and my weave and all the rest of that. I don't have a perm or a weave, but I do sweat when I'm on the dance floor. But no one's ever complained. Something I'm more self-conscious of than anything else. So she said, is it me or is it hot? I said, it's hot, but we're dancing. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like really hot. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? She pointed up at the ceiling fans and I said, eh, I mean, yes and no. Fan is on, but you know, we're dancing. We're around other people that are dancing too. So it's hot because we're dancing. Surrounded by other people that are dancing and generating heat. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the AC should be up a little higher. Uh, okay. So she pulls me off the dance floor with her and we walk and go find some man that she, I guess, had seen earlier, maybe because since I got there late, maybe he identified himself as the person to come and reach out to if there was any assistance needed. And she said, hey, can you turn the AC up? It's really hot out there. And I was like, oh boy, this is starting to feel familiar. And then she said, is it me or were the lights like darker a little bit earlier? I said, I really don't have any idea. And I'm a detail-oriented person, but I don't think I was paying attention to the lighting at a 50th birthday party for a friend. And she said, could you turn the lights down just a little bit as well? Oh boy, okay. All right, here we go. Again, I see much hasn't changed. So the guy obliges her and we continue to dance and have, and I'm able to salvage the evening by having a nice time dancing with her. But not too long into dancing, after making those adjustments, 
She says, hey, I'm ready to go. Would you walk me to my car? So as we're walking to her car, she begins to tell me about some guy she's dealing with and how, you know, they enjoy, she was really enjoying getting to know him and he was such a cerebral individual. Oh, I'm cerebral. Dag. I said, oh, that's nice. Which meant I wasn't going to be able to switch gears and go home with her or get her to go home with me. So I walked her to her car after I closed the door for her after she got in. I wished her a safe journey on her way home. And I turned and walked back to the party by myself. It was only about a block away. All of my friends were leaving and it was time for me to leave too. There was nothing else to do. It was one of those rare occasions that I had where I went out to celebrate someone else, but then measured the night based on whether or not I had company or not. And although I went out to celebrate a good friend turning 50, someone who had beat the odds as far as cancer goes, I was sad. I was sad because I went there by myself feeling a little awkward and, you know, small or whatever. And I left with that energy only being amplified. Insecurity is real. It'll have you backsliding and slipping and sliding all over the damn place. That night before I went to sleep, I told myself I was a jackass a hundred times for not stepping to the pretty lady that was dressed in all black with the lace top and the long black slacks and the black stiletto heels with the pineapple. I was like, how can I salvage that? I'm never going to see her again. Unless my friend knows who she is. So the next day I said, hey, friend, it was so great seeing you at your party. Thank you for inviting me. The text came back. I appreciate you coming. Thank you very much for the card. It was very nice. Well, while we're on the subject, I do have a question for you. Do you know there was a young lady that was there? And I described the way she was dressed. And she said, oh, yeah, that's one of my friends. She's a runner. Of course she is. The next text came through. You interested? I think she might have a boyfriend, but I don't know. They've been going through a thing back and forth. It's kind of on again, off again. I can ask if you want. I said, sure. Why don't you do that for me? She said, cool. I'll reach out and see what she says. Thank you, love. You're welcome. A couple days later, I got a text from my friend saying that she wanted a picture. I said, a, a picture? She said, yeah, she didn't see you, so she wants a picture. So I was like, all right, cool. I went into my Rolodex. I mean, what am I talking about? It wasn't a Rolodex. I went into my photos on my phone and pulled one of my favorites. Sent it over to her. She was like, cool, I'll be in touch. Then she came back a day after that and said, uh... She laughed when she saw the picture. Actually, she hollered. She said, can you send something with a, that's a little less studio quality? That's not a, a photo shoot. And I was like, that's a regular little picture. But I forgot that I've been friends with my wedding photographer since I got married. And we have this barter system thing where he takes pictures of me and then I just do other stuff for him, whatever that might be. 
More times than not, he's testing out a style, some lighting technique, or a new lens. And if I happen to be in the vicinity, he'll call me. And his studio is not, his studio used to not be too far from my house. I would just swing through, or I would meet him somewhere. And he'd whip out his camera and and boom, send me the images. And then I had all of these high quality images. So for me, having like, you know, professional images, it there it's just I don't think anything of it. I guess I've been spoiled in that regard, and I guess that's one of the reasons why I don't like taking selfies, despite what my Instagram might imply. So I found a regular degular schmegular image of myself and I forwarded it to my friend via text and then she said, Okay, cool. Now I'll be back in touch. A day after that, she got back to me and she said, Okay, cool. Here's her number. Good luck. And I was very happy. Yes! Napoleon Dynamite style. Yes! I salvaged a dropped ball. Thank God for friends. Thank you for listening to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. I'm your content creator. I'm your host, Eric Payne. Visit datingafterdivorce.guide. Not sure why I never mentioned this before. But visit datingafterdivorce.guide to check out all my links to my Patreon, to my Facebook page, to my Instagram accounts, to my pa- uh, I said Patreon, to my Spotify playlist, all of it. Everything that you need is right there. And then you get a little bio about me as well if you're interested. All right. Thank you for following. Thank you for listening. Check out the links below. See if anything resonates with you. Let a couple of friends know if this is your first time listening. And if this is your first time listening, I presume that this may not have made that much sense to you. I mean, as a standalone uh, as a standalone episode, it might have been something nice to listen to. But my suggestion to you would be to go all the way back to season one, episode one, or even the first trailer. We're four seasons in, and this is a story. This isn't an episodic podcast. This is a serial. So go all the way back to the beginning, and then this will make sense. And by the time you get back to this point, I'll have some more episodes for you to listen to. And as I have been saying up until the last episode, be wonderful, be amazing, be great, be special, be incredible, be talented, be outside the box, be authentic, be true. Don't be insecure. Love yourself. Once you love yourself, love others. And most important of them all, be undeniably and unapologetically and unrefinedly, I don't even know if that's a word, you. Even if that means you're rough around the edges, snarling and slobbering and spitting and chomping at the bit, if you're a little bit out of control, don't worry about it. In time, if it's something that you desire, it'll get better as long as you work on it day in and day out, tirelessly. And then you'll wake up one day and you'll be like, oh, I'm not so bad after all. You were never bad to begin with. Be incredibly and authentically you. <laughs>